0: TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest-growing TV brand. I always enjoy bringing you the latest. This is The Scoop. It's The Scoop with Darren Dukey wolfson from 5 Eyewitness News. EGIF, Scoop Podcast faithful. It is The Scoop Podcast. Episode 281 on this Friday night, the 7th of February, right here on Score North on 1500 let's start with it's been an eventful week for the timberwolves let's start with my conversation from earlier today with pobo president of basketball operations gerson rosas on all the moves he's made over the last even going back multiple weeks jeff teague trevion graham go out think about it from the opening night roster the wolves have changed nine players so here's my conversation. From earlier today with President of Operations, Gerson Rosas. Gerson, it was I think it was at your introductory press conference, but it might have been soon thereafter, maybe Ryan's introductory press conference. And I'm paraphrasing slightly, but your comment was that if I put Andrew Wiggins on the market, the fact of the matter is, or the truth of the matter is, I don't know if I can acquire a player with higher upside. But I guess in this case, D'Angelo Russell, higher upside?
1: It's a different deal than a one-for-one, to be fair, to Golden State. Um, But... You know, for D'Angelo, we were very aggressive to pay the premium to get him here. And, uh, you know, Andrew did an unbelievable job during his time here and uh, is a special person on the court, off the court, has an unbelievable family. But for us, where we're at, just the opportunity for D'Angelo to come here and lead this team in in that role and that opportunity, both on the court and off the court, was, was very important to us.
0: What were those back and forth like with Bob Myers, with Larry Harris? I mean, how many different phone calls, text messages? I mean, are we talking months, weeks? I mean, it had to be a lot.
1: Uh, it, it definitely was a lot, and a lot of it is, uh, you know, they're good trade partners, and I've, I've been fortunate to have a great relationship with Bob, but a lot of times what comes out in the media is, is a little misleading. And, um, you know, we were in constant contact, and I think, It's great when you can do a deal where both sides feel good about it, and those are the type of deals you want to do around the league. I I know we feel good about our deal, and they feel good about it. So at the end of the day, both teams got what they needed.
0: On feeling good about it, how important was it for you to maintain your 2020 draft pick?
1: Uh, yeah, it was a non-starter. Like we were, we, that that pick is a big part of what we're doing into the future. So for us, uh, we were very fortunate that with Golden State, we were able to figure something out that worked for both sides.
0: I mean, you're pretty well positioned to add even more this summer, right? With the two first-round picks, with some additional flexibility, like it could be a big summer.
1: We're, you know, we're fortunate we have an owner that supports us and gives us every resource. But we've got an unbelievably creative staff uh that that is constantly looking for opportunities to upgrade this team and it's anything it's draft it's free agency it's trades uh fortunately now we're in a position to your point where we have a lot of assets to be even more aggressive so uh we're not done we have a lot of work to do and this team has a very bright future as a result
0: on glenn i mean what was it like when you said hey glenn we're going
1: over the luxury tax you know, I, the great thing about Glenn is you, you present him with every avenue and uh, his feedback. And it's why I'm here. It's why I took this job. He wants to build a championship organization. And when I walked him through, uh, it's, it's unbelievable when you have your owner say, Hey, it's not about financial it's about basketball don't make a bad basketball deal to save us money if you know if this is what it takes this is what it takes and you know we're we're in a sensitive financial position because of this move and we gave up a great pig uh, but he was supporting every step of it
0: on giving a pick to denver like the idea is beasley and hernán gómez i mean is it safe to say the idea is with restricted free agency that that just about you know if it needs to come to it that you would match just about any offer like the idea is that these guys are here long term
1: yeah i mean technically we can't comment on that i would say we made the trade because we really value those players and they're guys that we feel like can fit on the court off the court and our great system fits to what we're doing is it nice to be reunited with james uh you know it's he's a special individual and he's a he's a guy that fits our system His toughness, uh, you know, the success he's had in Miami, those experiences that he's had there. We needed that edge, and uh, we're excited that he's a Timberwolf. What
0: was that team like? Was that Capella, Covington, Cannon, Troy Daniels, James? Like, that was unbelievable.
1: The real tax that you pay in the G League is when you're good. Players get called up, or the teams call the players back, and that that was the greatest 10 game run. John Luca Pascucci was there as well, and he deserves a lot of the credit because he recruited James there. But it was, I tell you what, it was a special group, and uh, it was as close to an NBA team as a G League team has got.
0: Pablo. I mean, Pablo knows D'Angelo really well. I mean, even going back to the recruitment of D'Angelo in the summer, like what sort of back and forth have you had with Pablo to just to understand what sort of player in person D'Angelo
1: is? No, nah, it's one of the great benefits of our staff. You have an individual like Pablo Prigioni who not only played, but is coached in this league and has great uh, touch points with a lot of these players and his belief in D'Angelo and his experiences with him. And I, I'll tell you what, D'Angelo deserves a lot of credit because pablo coaches pretty hard and i think he you know he really appreciates a guy that can challenge him that has played the game and can get on the floor and do things with him uh but that's what makes pablo special but you know Gianluca pascucci was with him in brooklyn as well so both of those individuals to have those personal experiences with a, a player that we value so much was critical for us
0: were there any trades that didn't happen but maybe you planted seeds that and maybe you know those those talks get revisited in the summer that's always the case so, I mean, everything you did, I mean, there still could have been more potentially.
1: I, I tell our guys this is our first trade deadline, and we always prepare like this, and uh, you don't always get this return. We were fortunate things lined up well for us. What you go after this? No Evan Turner here. Should we read into that? Uh, no, you know, we're, we're, uh, working close with his representation. Evan is a, is an accomplished player who wants to play. I think we're at a different stage in terms of fit with him, but we want to support him. He's been a class individual and he wants to continue to play and we're trying to find the right opportunity for him to play.
0: On Evan Turner, I appreciate Gerson for his time. On Evan Turner, he was working out yesterday at Concordia St. Paul. He was scheduled to Bail Town earlier today. I don't expect to see him on the Wolves bench. Tomorrow night, negotiations continue. Bottom line, if you're Evan Turner, how much money are you willing to give back? The Wolves would love to land under the luxury tax line, but if you're Evan Turner, are you giving back money? Yeah, Evan would like to be somewhere else, Miami, Boston, wherever. A winning opportunity, but if you're Evan Turner, are you willing to give back money? So those negotiations between Turner's representation and the Wolves continue. Let's continue the Wolves' dialogue here in segment one of Scoop Podcast episode 281. Here's my conversation from Thursday night with the boss of the Wolves and Lynx. We get into the Lynx a little bit here. It is Glenn Taylor. Glenn, I'm still trying to wrap my brain around everything that your front office accomplished today. Where are you at in terms of just, you know, absorbing everything that took place today?
2: Well, you know, we had talked about doing a lot of different things, Um, you know, early in in the week and stuff like that. Um, and like you always do, but normally when you talk about a uh, number of different trades and stuff like that, you're lucky if one out of, you know, five or six ever happen, you know. And in this particular case, almost everything that we had looked at previously and said that this is a possibility came to fruit today, and it was just amazing, uh, you know, how much we've changed this team.
0: I mean, it all happened so fast. Like, was there a point, Glenn, where you didn't think you'd be able to acquire D'Angelo Russell? Like, did everything change really fast today?
2: Well, I knew that uh, the guys on both sides were working very hard on that trade. It was important to both teams. Um, but, you know, we did get uh, kind of stuck for a while uh, on, you know, the issues of of future draft choices and, and things like that. So it kind of stopped. But I... Um, But I was always uh, positive in the sense that uh, I knew that both uh, groups were working on it really hard, and there's always a good chance you're going to get it done if uh, if you get near the deadline and you're fairly close, and they were.
0: What's your excitement level? I mean, D'Angelo Russell Glenn, 23-year-old all-star. It's not like you can just acquire these guys, snap of the fingers, and oh, by the way, he's incredibly close with Carl Anthony Towns.
2: No, you're correct. Uh, You look at the teams that have won the championships or get far in the playoffs. They always have uh, um, a couple of all-stars on their team, and we needed that. In our particular case, we got a couple of young guys. So uh, that was very important to us as we look at the future to stack young guys on our team so that uh, we can have uh, years of um, good record rather than just our one up and down like we did last time.
0: Did you sense that when you guys met with Russell going back to July in where Southern California that Russell had a desire, a want, one day to be here in Minnesota?
2: Yes, uh, we we felt that in our uh, talk with him that he he liked this as an option, but uh, um, for whatever reason, um, you know, Golden State uh, talked him into coming there.
0: Are you surprised that Golden State, I mean, I thought Golden State might want to see what Russell could do with Steph Curry for an extended period. Like, do you understand the Golden State side of things, why they were so, I don't know, I guess open-minded to moving Russell right now as opposed to the summer?
2: Not particularly. um, uh, You know, I mean, because that was an option for us, too, is to wait for the summer, and we, we always had that as the... Uh, you know, plan C or something like that in case that happened. Uh, we weren't going to give up on it. Um, you know, but uh, whatever their desire was, maybe maybe they knew they were going to do it sooner or later and, and just decided let's uh, uh, get Wiggins now and see how it works out.
0: Did you guys win in the negotiation? Like, did they ask for this year's draft pick unprotected, your 2020 draft pick unprotected, and did you guys win – by being able to keep that draft pick.
2: Well, I I, did, I don't mind getting into all the things that we we went up and down on. But it it was an area of the draft picks, yes.
0: How many different conversations going back weeks, months would you say that Gerson and others with your organization had with members of the Warriors, whether it's you know Bob Myers or Larry Harris or others?
2: No, it'd just be a guess on my part, but it was quite a few.
0: Like dozens? Like I'm just trying to I'm just trying to grasp, Glenn, just, you know, like, how much work was put into everything that came to fruition today.
2: Well, I mean, um, a lot of it just uh, was uh, with our own group, you know, deciding how important this was, what's the alternatives, if it didn't work out, what were we going to do? You know, probably as much time was spent on that as actually talking. And then, you know, they made an offer and we made an offer and it would go back and forth uh like that but um you know i'm not sure how many times they talked
0: glenn you realize that you deserve all sorts of kudos that that you guys are now in the luxury tax
2: yes we are
0: so what were those conversations like where gerson is asking you for permission to go over that luxury tax line
2: well i mean it's a difficult one it's a financial one that uh i don't uh, particularly like to be there and you know so uh uh, but, when we got down to uh, how we were going to f- do all these trades and to work it out to get the right players, it just came up that we were going to go over and and eventually, you know he asked me to make a decision if I was willing to do that, and I told him I was and that just gave him some freedom to do some things that uh, uh, that you know when we ha- had a lower figure that he just couldn 't do.
0: Was it a tough decision for you, Glenn, or was it like snap of the fingers telling Gerson, yes, go ahead and do that?
2: No, since we're talking about millions of dollars, it wasn't a snap of the figure.
0: (laughs) So, I I mean, you deserve a pat on the back, Glenn. I mean, without you saying yes to that, like, I'm not quite sure. I don't know for sure. I mean, maybe others in your position would have said yes, but I think some would have said no, so... You know, I always appreciate your, your openness and being able to, you know, go back and forth here on the podcast, Glenn, but I'm just saying, I'm not saying this is because you're on with me. I think you deserve a good amount of credit for, for everything that took place.
2: Well, <clears throat> if we get our team and we win and start getting, show that we can be a very competitive team and, and uh, get up with uh, other really good teams, then I'll be really uh, satisfied with my decision. How
0: badly is this needed for the organization? I know season ticket renewals went out recently, you know, the 12-game losing streak, multiple double-digit losing streaks this year. Like, is it safe to say your franchise needed, you know, some some life, you know, inserted into it? And, you know, today's news, even going back with the Robert Covington trade, like just the totality of the last 48 hours brings a renewed energy that your franchise needs
2: Yeah, I think it will, and I think that's part of it. I don't think any of us anticipated that uh, we would be losing this many games. We didn't anticipate Carl missing those, and Lehman is, you know, inserted with them because he brings a special type of shooting to the team that uh, that we missed. And uh, so, um, I think the major decision was that, um, you know, if we had done somewhat better, we would have. Waited till the end of the year to make some of these changes, but with the the way things were going here and uh, with this losing streak, uh, we just decided we had to do it now. And uh, and so this will be uh, uh, Gerson's um, you know first big deal where he, he's put a team together, and uh, we'll see it, how it works out.
0: I think the Jared Culver deal was a pretty big deal. I mean, when you're moving up in the draft. But, heck, I can't even keep track of all the transactions he's pulled off, Glenn. There's been so many.
2: Well, he's uh, he came here with the idea that uh, the way that we were going to uh, get to the top, that he had to pursue you know every avenue that he could. And, and you can see that he has done that.
0: How much will you miss Andrew Wiggins?
2: I will miss him. I'll miss a bunch of them. I mean, Gorgie and I have a long-term Relationship, Andrew. We got even closer here lately this last year because we were doing everything we can to help Andrew have a great season and stuff like that. And, and uh, so, you know, when you do that, you you get you get uh, so that uh, you know him even beyond the basketball part as uh, young men that uh, that you enjoy being around with. But you know, I would just say I just hope uh, Andrew. Uh, You know, goes up there and has a a great year and and continues on, and then I'll be proud of him.
0: I was going to follow up with Gorgie. You brought up Gorgie's name. Like, they don't make human beings better than Gorgie, right, Glenn? Like, I think about when when he signed the big contract. I mean, you were there, you helped seal the deal. Like, think about all the work he's done in his home country. You know, like, he has done so many good things. He is going to be missed so much from that standpoint.
2: No, he's a special man in the sense that uh, uh, how he cares for people and, and works with them. And then Becky and I have had, you know, we know this family and the kids and everything. So, um, you know, I only wish the best for him. He's been a, a really an asset for our team. And, and now I wish that uh, things continue for him. I'm really proud of him.
0: Does this give you, Glenn, a renewed energy? Like, is your plan to own this team for many more years?
2: Yeah, well, I enjoy owning them. <laughs> I think it'll be more fun if we win. I know it will be. We'll, I want to wa- yeah. get a team together that's just really competitive and, and uh, you know, for the fans in Minnesota.
0: Take us through the Robert Covington trade. Like, could you guys have done everything you did today and still held on to Robert Covington, or was was the Covington trade part of somehow everything that took place today?
2: No, it's part of it. I mean, that's, we had to get. We went ahead doing that, assuming that we could work out the Russell thing.
0: Okay, so there was so, no I mean, way to have Covington with Russell here.
2: Well, uh, that in all the options that we had, I'm just saying that we we felt that we had to use uh, Robert in the trade to get you know draft choices and some things to uh, finish the other trades.
0: Yeah, I mean, on the other trades, like, I'm excited about Malik Beasley. Like, what have you heard about Malik Beasley? I think he's got a pretty bright future.
2: Well, we do too, I mean, and I think you're going to see us throw him in into the mix out there a lot. I think he, he will get a lot of minutes and stuff like that because we just need that outside shooter on this team, you know, I and mean, you hope that with him and Allen that uh, that would really help. I mean, Carl has been our best <laughs> shooter, and it's, You need uh, some of those guys on the outside just got to be um, pulling, you know, the defense out against them, Uh, and and we just uh, have lacked that.
0: Is it crazy, Glenn, that I think about the opening night roster with who, Graham? I mean, this is top of my head, Glenn, so I may miss (laughs) a name or two, but Graham, Teague, Napier, Bell, Vonley, Wiggins, Covington, gorgie am i leaving somebody out like i think it's nine guys from the opening night roster that are no longer here like glenn this is nuts
2: it's faster if you just uh name the guys that are here (laughs) it's a short list
0: i mean how crazy is that
2: it is crazy isn't it that uh that all these things would fall in and all these changes would be made but it's gonna be fun for the fans now to evaluate you know, are we better and why are we better? And and, uh, and and I talked to Jake Lehman, and I think he's going to be back uh, after the All-Star game. And he'll be like a new guy, too, because he hasn't been around. Well, he just about missed the most of the year.
0: You're right. And, I mean, I even think about Saturday night. Like, that game is going to be fun on Saturday against the Clippers. Like, presumably, Russell plays a lot. Beasley plays a lot. Heck, I think Hernan Gomez, right? I mean, he's going to play, I would yeah. think. Like, you're going to yeah, play oh, a I lot of these so. guys. It's going to be fun on Saturday.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, uh, uh, Garrison's plan is to have a bunch of guys somewhat similar in age get out there so that they start playing together and they have an, some years together to play, you know, to better themselves as a team. And that's what he's tried to put together. So I think all the guys that you mentioned, you know, are somewhat in the same age group. And, uh, and they will be playing together. I mean, we've sort of lost the the first half of this season, so we've got to really uh, gain a lot of experience in the second half.
0: What about the other guys you got from Golden State? Like, Spellman is a former first-round pick, Glenn. Evans is a former first-round pick. Hernan Gomez from Denver is a former first-round pick. I mean, these guys are worth looks.
2: No, and I would say that uh, that's, Uh, what Gerson said in uh, making the trade and and who we brought along in these trades that he wanted to bring guys that he felt had potential and they may not be there today but they have potential uh, to be role players or whatever um, but minute players on our team and uh, he's uh, consistent with what you said that we've got guys here with potential Uh, maybe if we stick them in right and play them right um, they'll be part of our winning
0: uh, team. I suppose the one vet that you brought in, Evan Turner, are you comfortable if you guys end up buying him out?
2: That's a possibility.
0: And you know what? That's fine, because you're right. I mean, you want to play all these 22, 23, 24-year-olds together, although I do think at some point, am I wrong, Glenn, that, that a veteran presence, a Taj Gibson-type presence, would be a good thing for Towns?
2: Well, uh... I, let me just uh, say, I think when we, I first got involved, you know, we brought in Sam Mitchell and, and Porter, you know, kind of that thing. Yeah. I think there's always a place for guys with experience on your team. You know, I mean, who they help and how they help, I think is different depending on the personalities. But uh, you know, I'm not against having uh, some veteran guys. But but uh, I think mostly we're going to go with the younger guys. They're going to have the minutes and uh, what we need. And um, I think, you know, we just got to push them hard.
0: What's been the feedback? Like, have you talked to Ethan already or Ryan or others? Like, is there a noticeable buzz right now at Mayo Clinic Square?
2: No, they said there was. They said it was good for the ticket. So that's, uh, I'm glad to hear that. Well, I'd, I... like to see a, I'd like to see a nice crowd there, you know, to get out there and see all these guys. I mean, I, I talked to Carl, you know, earlier. <laughs> you know, I was telling Carl, I said, how are you guys going to call the place?" I guess each guy's coming from a different team here. We're going to have one play, but we're going to have five five different uh, uh, names for it, you know?
0: Yeah. Well, like like tomorrow at practice, Glenn, I think Ryan might need to like go around the room, have everybody stand up, <laughs> say their name, and maybe something interesting about themselves,
2: right? Yeah, it could be. <laughs> yeah, I I, uh, I I called into the office. I said, uh, "Why don't you make a list of the guys on our team?" But On the top, put down there, Minnesota, so I'm sure it's my team.
0: Oh, this is, I'm telling you, Glenn, this is, this is a fun day, though. Like, you know, this, I mean, it just, things were down, right? With the losing streak, and, you know, I mean, some of the quotes from Carl Anthony Towns recently, and I was over there a few days ago, and he did something on camera, but he was incredibly down. I just, I think this will add some life. Even if you guys aren't making the playoffs this year, I think just, you know, from just an interest standpoint, Like, my phone was blowing up today, Glenn. People that that tuned out, unfortunately, are now going to tune back in. That is a good thing.
2: That's a good thing, yep.
0: While I have you, Glenn, I mean, it's many, many weeks past, but just this is our first time chatting with with somebody you were incredibly close with, David Stern. Like, are you still impacted even weeks later, Glenn, with with David's passing?
2: Well, I just, uh, my mind just goes to all the things that we did together. And uh, and uh, just listening to him and watching him and how he conducted business and and the friendship that we developed over many years that uh, you know I miss him. He, we continued every month. Uh, every month uh, he would call or I'd call him and we would talk. It was fun. He was excited about life. He still and he was doing things that uh, that uh, kept him active. And uh, so you know I really miss him. And, and but it's the memories. Um, part that's really good i'm glad i have all those memories
0: what about memories with kobe i mean 41 years old glenn i mean just it's another reminder that life isn't fair
2: well i get it's a little special one for me you know when he made so many shots and he hit the record there and we stopped the game and i took the ball out there to him and and i can't remember what i said but it was some kind of little joke or something like that and, He laughed, and we got a good picture of that, and, and, you know, it was just kind of special to have that time. My mind goes back to them, but, uh, you know, what a a terrible thing, you know, with the youngsters on on that uh, helicopter, and he, who was um, really working hard doing things and putting the effort into his business just like he did in basketball.
0: You're right. I mean, it's just, I mean, there's no other way to say it, Glenn. It's an absolute tragedy. On on the Lynx, are you guys going to make some moves here pretty quick with free agency underway?
2: No, we're working on it. I don't know if we're going to get it done. But, uh, we're working on it. Uh, you know, it's one of those things, pretty difficult. But, uh, you know, Cheryl, she won't give up. and uh, So, uh, you know, nothing yet, but we'll see if something happens.
0: I mean, there's all sorts of chatter about whether odyssey sims will be playing for you guys this year you know is this simone augustus's last year like will she be back we know that maya won't be back like i'm real curious to see what the roster is going to look like
2: yeah well so am i so but uh um has a plan but you know it's free agency and and uh and they changed the rules a lot on pay you know and stuff like that so we're not sure how that's all going to fall
0: I'd love to see you guys get Skylar Diggins. Am I nuts?
2: Yeah, it isn't that we haven't looked at that, but it doesn't appear that that's going to work out. But, uh, but you know, I mean, certainly she's a person that would be on your list.
0: And Simone, I mean, has she committed to playing? Like, are we for sure that she'll play this year?
2: No, I don't. I don't know that. I haven't. Uh, she hasn't said to me one way or another.
0: And then on Maya, like, were you surprised at all, or did you figure that, that she would not be back this year?
2: Well, um, I wish she would be back. <laughs> That's I know. Thing. <laughs> but I'm not surprised, no.
0: Yeah. Well, hopefully maybe 2021. If not, I mean, heck, you yeah. know this. You have one of the best leaders. Like, I'm glad that you have Cheryl wrapped up for multiple years because, like, I think she would be a great leader of men. Like, I'd be cool seeing Cheryl coach men in the NBA.
2: Yeah, well... She's an interesting lady, I'll tell you that. So I mean, she gets a lot of uh, good results out of people just because she's uh, uh, very bright and uh, determined and uh, competitive, and yet people really respect her.
0: Is Jared Culver going to get out of this slump, Glenn? Like, are you confident that Culver can <laughs> can get out of this and and live up to number six pick expectations?
2: Well, I sure hope I sure hope he does. He's having he's having his learning experiences. That's for sure. I think they're going to keep playing him, and with the hope that uh, he's a very talented guy, and that he's just got to put it all together. So, I'm hopeful for him.
0: I'll let you go after this. You said you talked to to Carl Anthony Towns. Like how how excited is he? We'll have a chance to talk to him presumably as soon as as soon as Friday afternoon. But like how pumped is he right now?
2: Well, when I talked to him today, he was very pumped. Uh, I mean, not only about Russell, because he considers Russell a friend of his and those guys that worked in practice together, so he just, he just likes that. He uh, talked about how he thought that uh, the changes that we made on the team is just really going to help. He thought that it would work and uh, that they could work together. And he just said he had high expectations of himself and the, and the team, and he just was very excited, and he repeated that a number of times.
0: Did you guys ever think that New York would end up with Russell, that the Knicks were talking to the Warriors, that the Warriors might take the the Knicks offer instead of your offer?
2: Well, I don't know. You know, they're making so many changes out there right now. You know, it's hard for them to do something when you're changing your leadership.
0: Glenn, thank you so much. We will see you on Saturday. Target Center is going right. to be, I think it might be comparable. Call me nuts again, Glenn, but like I remember KG's first game back right like yeah. there was was it the wizards maybe was it the opponent the opponent doesn't matter but like there was an yeah. energy in the building that particular night i think saturday could be comparable
2: i hope so i'll be there
0: glenn thank you you're welcome i always appreciate how open glenn is when we come back we shift the conversation to football and to baseball we'll catch up with chris Treveller, the former gopher who signed with the Arizona Cardinals this week. Plus, we'll catch up with longtime Gophers baseball coach, John Anderson. Stay with us. This is the Scoop Podcast on Score North. You're getting the scoop with Darren doogie Wolfson from 5 Eyewitness News. Find the scoop on demand on scorenorth.com. Welcome back, everyone. It is the second and final segment of the Scoop podcast on this Friday night, the 7th of February, right here on Score North on 1500. Earlier this week, I had a chance to catch up with former Gopher Chris Treveler. He was a quarterback, then he was a wide receiver for a little bit here. He was here with the Gophers 2013, 2014, 2015. He then transfers to South Dakota. He blows up, eventually ends up in Canada, wins a championship with Winnipeg. And he had a few NFL workouts a few weeks back. He had multiple opportunities to sign with NFL teams. He ultimately chose the Arizona Cardinals. Here is my conversation with former Gopher Chris Streveler. Chris, thank you for your time. You can lay out much better than I can your story. We all remember you at the Gophers, what, redshirting? In 2013, playing for the Gophers, 2014 and 2015, you then left the Gophers. Why don't you pick up your story, what has kept you busy over the last five years from the moment you left Town?
3: Yeah, well, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Um, yeah, it's been kind of a wild journey, you know, leaving Minnesota there in 2015. It's a decision, you know? I mean, I love my teammates. I, I was really, uh, you know, bought into the program, but I just felt like, uh, you know, I, I was going to get better opportunities elsewhere, so ended up going to South Dakota and playing quarterback there for two seasons um had a great time there you know kind of hope to uh, get that program in the right direction with the playoffs won a playoff game all that good stuff and then uh last two seasons I've been up in Winnipeg playing for the Blue Bombers um started a bunch of games up games up there you know uh kind of had a package deal where come in do some running passing catching type stuff and uh You know, like you mentioned earlier, uh, just recently uh, this week signed with the Arizona Cardinals. So it's been kind of a crazy journey, but I wouldn't change anything about it.
0: I mean, heck, I mean, it's been one heck of a journey, though, right? I mean, just everything you've been through. I mean, am I correct? I mean, I recall you moving at one point to wide receiver. So just to see how things played out once you left Minnesota, I mean, I guess if I had told you in, what, 2015, that you would end up with the Arizona Cardinals five years later with a stop in Canada, like, what would you have told me at that moment?
3: I mean, yeah, I wouldn't have believed you. I mean, when, when I when I moved to receiver at Minnesota, it was basically just like, I remember a practice where, you know, I played quarterback, receiver, running back, tight end, fullback, all in the same practice just because I was trying to get on the field, just to do anything to help the team at that point, just to get out there. And then, you know, when I left, I never really had, you know, obviously playing professional football was my goal as a child. You know, growing up, that's what I wanted to do. But when I left at that point, I really didn't know if it was possible. It wasn't really my thought process, so... You know, just to double back, if you would have said back in 2015 that I, you know, here in 2020 be signing with the Arizona Cardinals, I don't know if I would have believed you. And Like I said, it's been an unbelievable journey. And, you know, all those different experiences uh, at different places and having different experiences, like I said, are just made me that much stronger and that much more ready for this opportunity.
0: You know, and a little bit more on that, expound on that. Like how, how did your time here at Minnesota shape the player you are today, the person you are today?
3: Well, first of all, I love my kind of Minnesota. I mean, I still keep in touch with some guys from the team there. I mean, I, there, plenty of them reached out when they heard the news. And, you know, I think the biggest thing was just I kind of learned to, you know, put the team before myself because, you know, for the first two seasons, you know, I was the backup and all that stuff. And then, you know, going into that 2015 season, I wasn't, you know, I knew I wasn't going to play, but it was kind of at the point where like, hey, I, I want to do whatever I can to help the team, whether it's special teams, positions, whatever we need. And so, you know, that's kind of where my mindset that I've had going forward from there was just, you know, whatever it takes to help the team, that's what's more important than myself. And not that I was ever a selfish player before that, you know, I never was, but it just kind of gave me that perspective of, hey, you know, this is bigger than me and I want the team to be successful first and foremost. And I try to kind of carry that approach with me, you know, wherever I go now.
0: What was it like playing in Canada? I mean, from social media, it seemed like you were a rock star up there. And was Drew Wolitarski, the former Gopher, one of your teammates?
3: Yeah, yeah, he was up there, and we were roommates and everything like that in college and and in Winnipeg, so um, he's one of my good buddies, and it was awesome getting to play with him. Uh, I I can't say enough about the Canadian game, you know, especially playing in Winnipeg. such a great fan base. They love it up there and really rallied behind us, especially this past year, you know, winning the Grey Cup and stuff like that, so, um, you know, that's a place that's going to always be very near and dear to my heart because I wouldn't be in this position today without those people up there and the opportunities I was afforded, so... I'm very thankful for it, and, you know, Canada's kind of a place that uh, I've made lifelong friendships and relationships, and I've, to be honest, I've grown to love it up there, so uh, it was kind of tough to leave.
0: We're talking with former Gopher Chris Strebler, the newest member of the Arizona Cardinals. I guess take us through, Chris, the process in which you landed ultimately there in Arizona.
3: Yeah, so, I mean, kind of going into the postseason this last year, um, kind of heard some things from NFL teams, you know, interested in working me out and things like that was kind of battling through an injury at the end of the year, so I ended up, you know, had a bunch of teams that were interested and had to kind of push the workouts back so I could get healthy after the season. So when it all boiled down to it, I had three three workouts scheduled. Obviously Arizona, Miami, and Tampa were the three teams that I ended up going to here within the last couple of weeks, and uh, it was a great experience. You know, I felt, you know, honestly very lucky to even have the opportunity to work out for these teams and just be in front of them and, you know, then to, to do well and, you know, get some, get some great offers so, some great teams was you know kind of a dream come true, and then you know to land in Arizona, a spot that I felt very great about, and a, and a connection with the coaches and the staff there. I was you know couldn't have been more excited, and it couldn't have out couldn't have worked out better for me.
0: When you say offer, so you had your choice. Did all those teams make offers? Yeah. So okay, so I mean, it's nice to be in that position, right, Chris, where you can ultimately decide. Okay, you know, you lay out all your options, and you decide. Okay, Arizona of my options is is the best one.
3: Yeah, well, I mean, like I said, those are three, three great organizations and I felt extremely, you know, fortunate to be in that position where I could get offers from NFL teams and, you know, kind of just after going through everything and looking at different opportunities and what different teams wanted me to do and, um, you know, just relationships with coaching staff and stuff. I felt extremely excited about the opportunity to work with Cliff Kingsbury there. He's a very, uh, you know, creative coach and, uh, you know, done some, done some good things that I think I'm going to fit in well with there. So, like I said, I think getting to Arizona is a great opportunity, and uh, you know I honestly just can't wait to get to work out there.
0: Do you buy the comparisons when people say that you can be like Taysom Hill, like how Sean Payton uses Hill in New Orleans?
3: Yeah, I mean, um, you know, like he's done a great job for, for New Orleans. I mean, he's done some great things and kind of, you know, revolutionized the position. It's kind of been something that we haven't really seen, so it's kind of been similar to what I've been doing up in Winnipeg with, you know, running different packages. I've started a good amount of games up there, but, you know, when I'm not starting, I usually have a package where I'm doing some running, throwing, a little bit of catching, stuff like that. So, um, you know, obviously him having so much success has kind of helped uh, probably afforded me some opportunities here. But also, you know, what we were able to accomplish up there in Winnipeg was, you know, like I said, I wouldn't be here without that. So, you know, he's, he's done some great things. And, uh, you know, like I said, I'm just looking forward to getting the opportunities and trying to make the most of them.
0: Chris, hopefully you make the best of those opportunities. We wish you nothing but the best. I know I speak for a lot of Gophers fans that are incredibly happy for you. Chris Strebler, congratulations on landing with the Arizona Cardinals.
3: All right. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it.
0: Chris is an entertaining guy. Actually, as I was talking to Chris, that's when the D'Angelo Russell trade broke. So hopefully I wasn't too distracted in my conversation with Chris, but he is a good dude. We wish him all the best with the Arizona Cardinals. John Anderson is in his 39th year with the Gophers baseball program in charge of the Gophers. He is, when it comes to Minnesota baseball, he is as legendary as it gets. Like, everybody knows who John Anderson is, the Gophers coach. The Gophers should be pretty good this year. They open their season. What is today, the 7th? It's one week from today, Valentine's Day. Hey, good reminder, Valentine's Day next Friday. The Gophers open up against the Oregon Ducks next Friday, in Tempe, Arizona I was over at Gophers practice the other day Here is my conversation with Longtime Gophers baseball coach John Anderson as we preview the 2020 season John it is what year 39 Is the passion Does it does it burn as strongly today As it did maybe those first couple of years
4: Yeah I think I believe it does And I've said this many times and When I lose that passion I'm not going to continue to do it I'll retire and move on I think the, the kids deserve uh, a passionate, full effort from me to make sure I can give them the experience that we promised them in the recruiting process. So I have to pay close attention to my energy level and my passion and that I, that I still bring what's necessary here to because that student-athlete experience and preparing them for the next 50 years of their life is really important to me. So I, I pay attention to where I'm at uh, regularly, and, and uh, I love it. I'm enjoying it, and I think part of that is we have a great group of young men We don't have a lot of problems. They're really high achievers. They come here. They go to class. They work hard. They earn degrees, and they're passionate about their baseball careers. And give us a lot here every day in preparation and what they do as a group. So uh, that helps as well.
0: And I mean, talking about your energy level, your energy level is it's it's good.
4: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited. Uh, I said I think I. I get some of my energy and some of my passion from the guys because, they're—they're they're, like I said, they're high achievers, they're driven, they're passionate, and it's fun to be around those kind of people. And I think we feed off of each other. So that's, uh, that's uh, part of why I'm probably still here doing what I'm doing.
0: The way last year ended, how does that motivate you? How does that motivate the team?
4: Yeah, you know, uh, coming off an 18 in that fabulous year and, of course, trying to, to reset ourselves with a different group of people and... I think the seven uh, weeks in a row on the road was a huge challenge. I knew that. I'm not sure the guys in the on the team understood what that was all about. I'd been through it before. You know, I think we what we started out like two and eleven or something like that. And for them to hang in there and rebound and get better and not give up and play out the season and put a run together at the end, I I think that's some momentum uh, that's still with us that we can take from last year and. I think it's it's fueled our, our, our energy and our desire here to to really prepare in a way here that we're going to be ready to go this year and, and, and turn that table around and get off to a good start out of the gate.
0: Thankfully, no seven-week on the road run this year. I mean, how grateful are you that U.S. Bank Stadium is, is once again available?
4: Grateful. No question about it. Uh, those are that That's a hard thing to do. It's a change of time zones. It's getting back at 1, 2 in the morning on Sunday night, Monday morning, and retooling and going back out on, on Thursday. It's I don't think anybody understands how hard that is. Kids are going to school, trying to rest and recover their bodies and get prepared for the next weekend. It's it's a cycle that's not fun. So yeah, we're excited. The schedule is going to be really difficult. That's on me. I built it. I made it. But I love competition. I want to. If we want to be one of the uh, top teams in the country and be an NCAA tournament team, then you got to get out there and compete against great competition. And the schedule is full of that. And uh, we're going to have our hands full. So. Uh, we're going to have staff scoreboard and not worry about results right away, but just really take a look at our team and we can learn about ourselves and how we can get better and we get to the Big Ten portion of our schedule that we're ready to go here and can uh, can have an outstanding year in the Big Ten.
0: The strength of your team, the, the pitching staff, I mean, you have a number of arms back.
4: No question. Um, I think when you look at the, the team as a whole and what comes back, I think this pitching jumps out at you, have all of our starters back. Um, I've said this, um, and based on what I can recollect, I think this is probably the deepest pitching staff I've had in my career. Uh, Very talented, um, and they have experience, and they have talent, and uh, some guys have a chance to be pretty good draft choices, uh, led by Max Meyer. So uh, you know the game, and you start with pitching, it's a good place to start. What I saw in the fall and what I've seen so far, defense is going to be able to make plays behind them and we have to tick up on offense. I think that was a challenge last year and we got better as the year went along, but we got to take a tick up in offense and we have 19, uh, you know, uh, Letterman back and we have six starting position players back. And I like the growth of some of the younger guys. So I think we will, but uh, like I said, we got a tough schedule. We're going to face some outstanding pitching. But I think we had a chance to have an offense that uh, can complement that pitching staff. That means we got to score four or five runs a game on an average, and if we can get to that number uh, regularly, then I think we can uh, accomplish some of our goals.
0: Correct me if I'm wrong. Did you not have a 300 hitter last year? I don't think we did. I mean, that shocks me.
4: Yeah, it is shocking, but. I think if you study college baseball, we're trending a, a very similar to professional baseball, major league baseball. Our strikeouts were at an all-time high in Division One baseball last year. Batting averages were down. It wasn't it, that was not uh, atypical. You saw it in a lot of teams, and so I think what's really changed over the last ten years in my career is the quality of pitching across the board. Um, there's more pitching coaches today the protocols have all changed on how to train pitchers there's weighted ball programs we're in the analytics world so we're tunneling pitches and working on spin rates and making adjustments I think the advancements from the pitching side in our game uh, has really took hold and you're seeing the result of that and the hitters having a hard time keeping up and I think that what you just mentioned is reflective of the level of pitching in Division One college baseball today. Everybody's got, everybody's got guys that throw 90. 90 just another number today. Before 10 years ago, if you had a couple guys that threw 90, you were excited. Uh, everybody throws 90 now. We had guys throwing 95, 97, 98. I mean, you never saw that before, and I think that's what it, it has impacted the offense. So, well, until you get 200, 250 at-bats against that kind of pitching, um, I don't think you really understand, you know, where you are as a hitter or how good of a hitter a particular person is going to be. So, and I think last year we didn't have guys that had that many at bats against quality competition, and I think we're getting there. And I think we'll start to uh, see that. I think that's what will help uh, improve our offense because there's talent there. I don't think we lack talent. I think we just lack experience against quality pitching, and we're going to have an opportunity to do that the first four or five weeks of the season.
0: On 97, 98, I mean, that's, that's Max, right?
4: Yeah, yeah, we've seen that here. We've seen some other guys on our team be 94, 95, 96. Um, you know, when you look down the list of those uh, juniors, Patrick Fredericks, and, of course, Max for freshman All-Americans. Patrick had a off year compared to his first year. That was probably predictable. You go 9-0, and it's not going to go perfect for you. He had a little arm injury. He was out for a while. Um, you know, Sam Thorson has been steadily getting better and better. Um, he's got potentially going to be a high draft here, so you got those three juniors uh, right off the top, and and that uh, are high end pitchers. We got a transfer from Arizona State that sat out last year that had Tommy John surgery. He's Drake Davis. He's been 92, 93. The good breaking ball. So uh, we've got a lot of juniors in, in this on this team, and the pitching staff especially. And uh, they have experience, and, and and they got some plus stuff. So um, I'm excited to see what they can do. We we'll get out and start playing here
0: your phone blowing up from, from Major League Scouts asking about Max?
4: Yeah, it's been busy. Last fall was busy, especially the end. All the Scouts come through here and interview the kids and do their part, and I think that's the piece that I'm most concerned about is how we're going to manage that distractions and all the noise on the professional baseball and tracking our kids and watching our kids. There's going to be a slew of people behind home plate every time some of these guys pitch, so we're going to have to help them manage those expectations and block out some of the noise and be, be, be here, be present, trying to help this baseball team accomplish our goals and let the professional baseball piece happen when it happens. It's, uh, you know, it's it's harder to do than, than than to say here. So I think that's going to be one of our challenges. We have a number of guys that are going to be on people's draft boards and going to be followed, and we're going to have to find a way to make sure that doesn't interfere with, with uh, their performance.
0: On Max, I mean, 97-98, but I mean, he'll say that, that his slider is his best pitch. I mean... <laughs> when you can when you can locate ninety seven ninety eight I would think that would be your best pitch, but he says hey it 's my slider
4: yeah, if you talk to people in professional baseball and you know we 've played at target field and they have all the analytics pieces in there they got the metrics on them um you know he 's got an above average spin rate for a major league slider um you know with a fastball he 's worked hard on developing a change up his fastball commands better uh, to go with that slider so yeah I mean you put his metrics out there he 's one of the from a metric standpoint analytics standpoint he 's one of the top guys in the junior class in Division One baseball. So um, so it, that's why he's in the company he's in and probably has a chance to be somewhere in the first-round pick. But he's got to stay healthy, got to perform, and we'll see what happens. And he's got to manage his, his experience and, and how it relates to the, the professional baseball chase that's going to be going on all year. Does
0: the play on Friday start, and then he'll be in the lineup then Saturday, Sunday? I mean, outfield, I mean, his first base
4: open potentially? I think we're going to leave him at the DH spot, not going to mess around on the field anymore. Um and does what conversations we'll have last year some of the games when he started he did dh some games he didn't he he wore down as the year went down a little bit he hurt his ankle he he missed some time last year that impacted our season so um i still think he's one of our top four or five hitters so i think he has to be in the lineup but uh we're going to manage his pitching part of it as well but right now the plan is to dh him and start him on friday and then we'll see how our team evolves and I loved him in the back end of the bullpen his freshman year. Who wouldn't? Um, that still is intriguing to me. I, I'm a pitching coach and I, Tom McDowell. We have that conversation all the time. Um, and uh, we'll see how – but, again, we're going to see how our staff comes together. We have some options on the backside, but um, can he impact our weekend more but twice, maybe on Friday and Sunday, or being a starter on Friday? And that's uh, – we'll, we'll see where that leads. But he's going to be a starter to open up the season and, and – uh, and he's going to be in the lineup as a, as a DH, as a left-handed hitter. So um, he's got a way to impact this team in both places. Um, and I think he, he loves that challenge. He said he told me he wants them to follow on both as a hitter and a pitcher. He wants to get drafted as both. So good for Max. We'll see what happens here.
0: I'll let you go after this. So he's among your, your top four or five hitters. Jordan, and, and who else, I guess, is among those four or five? Well,
4: Jordan Kozuki. He's the only senior on the team. So, and uh, he's had a pretty good career here. And uh, he'll open up as our shortstop, and and so I think you have to put in, him in there. Uh, no, no, no question about it. Jack Wassel is a uh, junior, as a senior eligibility wise, a third baseman, left-handed hitter. Zach Robbie, uh, I think you have to put in that category as one of our top hitters. Uh, of course, uh, Chase Stanke is going to be a sophomore catcher, has to be in that conversation. And uh, Drew Himaleski, who came here as a football, baseball player, has had a lot of injuries since he's been here. He's finally healthy. I've seen some really encouraging things this winter with him at the plate. I think he's got unlimited potential as a hitter. Uh, it's starting to come together for him. He's just had enough repetition, more at-bats, starting to come together. He's very athletic, and and yet yeah, put that in a conversation. And we have a uh, transfer from Northwestern, Jack Kelly, who is who has a, a back here. He's going to be able to play this year. Left-handed hitter, can catch and play in the infield and outfield. And, I probably would put him based on what I knew about him at Northwestern. What I've seen since he's been here, probably one of our top two or three hitters. So, um, you know, and Eastern Bertrand's a junior, and and fifty uh, percent of his hits last year were extra base hits, had some power, and he's growing as a hitter. So, yeah, I, I we have we have some pieces here. Hopefully, they'll come together and they'll keep getting better.
0: It was surely fun talking to John about Max Meyer of Woodbury. He will be as long as he stays healthy. He will be a first round pick. In the June Major League Baseball draft, in fact, the Twins last Friday had a scout there. The Twins have done extensive homework on Max Meyer. That slider is lethal. He throws at 97-98, but that slider is one heck of a pitch. That slider right now is a legit Major League Baseball pitch. When you look at spin rate, any way you want to slice and dice the Max Meyer slider, it is a legit pitch. All right, we are done. Crazy week, busy week. We'll dive into more at some point next week or the week after. I didn't even get to the Twins. As of Friday afternoon, talks were ongoing. I really don't have much to pass on in terms of whether Kenta Maeda will end up ultimately with the Twins or not. Talk's ongoing. It's been a slow process. I know it's been a frustrating process for a lot of Twins folks with these negotiations with the Boston Red Sox. We are done. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful weekend, everyone. This has been Scoop Podcast Episode 281.